No, if I had more time, I would. Welcome back, everybody. It is time for Leafs Late Night. We're outscoring our problems already two games into the season. So uh, let's talk about that. Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs. And this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. All right, we're back, we're back. And now I'm the one broadcasting from a hotel. If you have been tuning in, you know I'm uh, on the road this week, so things are getting a little echoey. That's what I was just commenting on here. I wish I could do something to fix this, but I'm switching hotels tomorrow, so we'll see. The other ones are carpeted instead of hardwood. (laughs) Also, my cable is busted for my good microphone, so I will have to get another one of those tomorrow. So So many things going wrong, but you know what? We're here, the Leafs won, and there's things to be happy about. Uh, Oh, but before we talk about any of that, you may have noticed the last episode had a big chunk cut out of the middle of it. That's because we actually had Darty Brother join and we had a whole conversation with him. And then when he went to sign off, we realized that it it somehow just didn't record him the whole time, which is an issue we've never had before. He jumps in the middle of a lot of episodes and it records fine. But for some reason that just didn't. So, uh, we lost Ooh. about 10, 10 minutes of that episode, which sucks. And I apologize because there were some fun little conversations about the goal song and stuff in there that I had to cut out because we were talking to nobody and listening to nobody. So <laughs> <sighs> sorry Casper. about that. Sorry about the, the little awkward cut in the middle there, but that's what that was. We'll get them on next yeah. time. Though. Yeah, that was disappointing. It was really funny. But hey, next time, there's always a next time. And hopefully Darty can join us for a longer period of time. And Yeah. Speaking uh, of goal songs, what was that new goal song tonight? So the new goal song is called Dup Dup. It's the Mallorca version by Mallorca. Mickey Krause. But it it didn't it doesn't sound like the Mallorca song. Like it when I played it, I even when they scored, I, I didn't really hear it much. But I had to play it on YouTube and I was like I, I didn't even recognize it, honestly. Now I, I feel old. <laughs> So Mallorca is an island in Spain, by the way, in like the okay whatever Ibiza area, I think, in that that world. Cool. If I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, it's like a lot of dance songs. It's a it's a whole vibe. I, I again, we're going with dance music. I thought Ryan Reeves' whole thing was like we're getting away from this EDM stuff. It's fucking lame. Like, like let's get some cooler music in here. And I guess their compromise was fine. Let's get a dance remix of something cool i don't know i'm just it's becoming too much of a distraction these cool songs like so many people are commenting on it like everyone wanted something new and then every night it's it's a problem actually that's because like people need something to talk about if the team is actually doing well then they can't talk about that and not to say that the hockey world revolves around toronto but it almost does as far as media goes, uh, I'd say probably like 30% of it is, or 25% of it is just Leafs content, like, and they know that. So, yeah, yeah. something as minute as the song is uh, going to get more press than, you know, the uh, Oilers domi- are getting dominated by Vancouver in their first game. Sorry, I'm just also watching their follow-up to it. Can you believe, schedule-wise, that these guys are playing their first two games against each other like this, back-to-back? Like we're doing this it right just, off the bat? 
it just means that later on in the season, you're not going to be seeing a division rival as often, right? Well, that's what I don't understand is why would they get these two games with two rival teams out of the way so early when they don't mean as much, the players aren't up to speed and everything. Like it just, it, I don't know. It seems like a waste, especially both of them. Like one is one thing, but having both of these games to start the season, like, I don't know. It, I guess it did start somewhat of a rivalry with that 8-1 victory, but. By the way, mm-hmm. did anybody catch the new commercials for the new betting site that Hockey Night in Canada is having sponsor them? Which one was that? Um, Sports Interaction. Was that the the dude that I posted the, the picture of? The dude of? just standing there like Americans don't know shit about hockey. Yeah, <laughs> I use one of their guy. betting sites. I actually know that guy. He, um, I did a, a short, uh, Bell Five short with him. Um, it's actually nominated for a bunch of awards and stuff. It was the Supers, the Stoners, and the Big Bad. It's about like these superhero girls that accidentally become superheroes and have to like stop. The... Anyway, he was like one of the villains. You gotta, you gotta go watch it if you want to see. It. But he's actually he's a hilarious actor. So when I saw him on it, I was like, I, I know this guy. So something about the first goal song, uh, before we move on, um, I saw it reported tonight, Nick Alberga uh, tweeted that we shouldn't expect to hear this pursuit of happiness as a goal song for the Leafs anymore this season because there's been complaints received about the song's message and lyrics. So the song that was used tonight will be a part of the regular rotation, but the last game song, apparently it's getting cut. Well, I guess because technically the lyrics of Pursuit of Happiness are like, uh, what's that uh, semi-charmed life by Third Eye Blind? It's basically the same thing. It's just like talking about, or like what's the the um, Under the Bridge, the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers one. It's like everyone yeah. thinks it's a cool song and then you realize that it's like chasing a high from a drug and you're like, oh, <laughs> that's what this whole yeah. song is about. So like... You know, people tell me, slow my roll. I'm screaming out, fuck that. I'm going to do just what I want. Look now here, no turning back. Yeah, it's all like, I don't know. It's not, it's one of those things you can take out of context and be like, yeah, it's about this. It's like Swimming Pools by Kendrick Lamar. It's like, yeah, it's a party song. It's like, no, it's about alcoholism. <laughs> but I try. So I think they yeah. just kind of got caught um, putting the song to the wrong context. Well, it's funny you guys say um, people complain all the time. It literally took one game for the complaints to roll in, and now the song is getting cut. So we'll see if there's going to be a replacement for that anyway. So we'll have the four in rotation. But, yeah, I guess it's nice to see, like, something to look forward to with all of these games coming up and, like, trying to decipher what will actually be into the Leafs' plan moving forward. Yeah, and like I said, I'm most excited for what they do for throwback. Um, I think they've done a – what it's going to do for them this year is be a good distraction for when there's other stuff going on with the team that maybe, you know, if in February or January they start slumping, just, you know, switch up one of the goal songs and all of a sudden everyone will start talking about that instead. Like I think it's a, it's a nice little thing they can play with whenever they want to get attention away from something serious. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, they're, they're sniffing around Robota Island again? Let's change the goal song. <laughs> Well, some teams have specific goal songs for players, so hey, why not throw a bunch of songs in? Like, it just makes it more unique. I think the Sabers started that. They yeah. uh, they all put their playlists in, so everyone's got their own goal song. I think that's sick. The only oh, thing about that Vancouver is... just scored. Who's Mako? Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> the, the only thing about that is sometimes it's not very clear who scored the goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of clear who scored the goal, I don't even know who scored that. Quinn Hughes just launched one from the blue line and it went through Besser and 
Kuzmenko. I don't know who touched it, but that was a really, really, really nice shot from the captain there. Well, Kuzmenko celebrated like Ovi, so I would assume he touched it. And you know, oh who yeah, didn't? he did. And you know who didn't celebrate did. like that was JT <clears throat> saying, "No, no, no, guys, I didn't touch that. I didn't touch that one. That wasn't me. <laughs> Give right. it to Bobby." <laughs> Yeah, he will always, uh, you know, give everyone else the benefit of the doubt and give the goal off. Like, he was super honest and the perfect example of a team captain. I'm getting ahead of myself, though. I know we will get there. Uh, Let's talk about Ryan Reeves, because this is now the first two games of the season, and he has fought somebody in each of them. So uh, I know we've got a couple questions that wrap this in, stuff. if you want to shout out who those are from. But uh, I want to talk about Ryan Reeves and the difference or you know whether you think it's a difference or not Reeves versus what we've employed Simmons to do the last few years like how do you how do you like this now that it's you know 120 minutes into his regular season so the question came from Leafs Forever at Blue Buds 34 asking how much impact has Revo made so far in your opinion so well i mean i don't feel like th- I'm watching a team that's getting bossed around waiting for the perfect play to pop up. You know, they, they used to, it used to be like watching a team that like, you know how footballs, like they, they run plays all the time and everything's very specific. Like this person goes there, they're okay, but that didn't work. Okay. Let's run this play. It felt like that's how the Leafs played the last couple of seasons where it was very like, everything has to fall into place perfectly. The puck's got to go in the right spot. Okay. When he gets it, it goes to this guy. Then you're going to hop off the bench. You're going to go here. Oh, that didn't work. Okay. Back to the drawing board. Like there wasn't a, a lot of, um, creativity or pivoting. And I feel like now they've been able to, uh, I mean, there was, Last year, there were a lot of people like stripping the puck off of opponents and stuff and turning things around. But I feel like this year, they're holding on to the possession better, entering the zone better. Uh, it just feels like there's an overall uh, difference in the uh, what's the I don't know what he brings. It's like I don't want to say it's a swagger because everybody keeps saying that. But like th- they all seem tougher having somebody back them up like that. And I think Bertuzzi also brings that. Domi also brings that. It's the fact that it's spread out. So I don't want to put too much on just having Reeves there because it is the fact that there's so many different aggressive guys now, but I think it has had the effect they intended it to. Well, I think it's it's because it's spread out and like you're not asking a, a Ferrari to, you know, plow a field. Exactly. Or like a tractor to run a race, right? Like you want to flip it around. Like they're not... Im- putting Ryan Reeves out there expecting him to play 13 minutes a night and run the offense. They're playing him almost as an old school enforcer, which is basically what you would have to do. Yeah. It seems that they kind of switch him and and yarn croak out depending on the situation. They've done that both nights now where it's like, if we need a goal, we, you know, the first two periods, it seems or the first period and a half, they send out uh, Reeves and then they switch him out with yarn croak for the rest when they need goals, which makes sense. You know, get them out there, get them angry. Reeves goes to the box with Domi, I might add. And uh, you just send the message early. And I think that's something that they've had problems doing in the past where, you know, the game starts and they're immediately getting pushed around and it takes until the second period for them to be like, oh, wait, we're better hockey players than these guys. We should be winning this. Mm-hmm. And they do. Like, it, it, it's always that, like, snap back to, like, oh, shit, that commercial's on again, sports interaction. 
I think it's the physical deterrence too. And that like, I know we've always had that presence, but the the way that he's vocal about it and the way that he pumps up the room and the bench and you see like the buds come out before the first period, he has the whole hop with Marner. They jump five feet off the, off the ground and he gets the boys going, but he also like he's played uh, for the wild before and he's Fought Felino three times already, right? Like coming into tonight, I totally expected a fight. Uh, you have to suggest it would be Moose just because of that iconic photo of, you know, Reeves punching him down. But you can tell while he's on the ice too, he's picking at everyone. Like he does not let you go off easy. Like it, you're getting a little tug here and there, and he is super vocal. Um, only, you know, tonight you guys say his time on ice, 9.39, and he had the five-minute major, but five like, I like well. it. Yeah, yeah, I, I like this presence. I mean, we had Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford and, you know, Jake Muzzin, for example, but I feel like Reeves is more vocal. Like, he's more of that confident presence that people just don't want to fuck with you know like they he's one of those guys in the league that you look at and you're like okay no 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 like you might look at Simmons and you're like eh, you're a little bit of an older fellow even though they're similar in age right but Reeves has more lively to put to him yeah I think that's a good point there's different kinds of aggression right like there's guys that are like the strong silent ones that if you fuck with them they will break your head but like like Chara wasn't somebody who would well, maybe not Char is a good example, but he was just kind of like big more than he was aggressive. And then he was aggressive sometimes, but he was bigger than he was mean. And then there's guys that, you know, if you start something, they'll just jump you. They're small guys. And then there's guys like Reeves that are aggressors where they're just poking at you all game. And I feel like Bertuzzi is the same kind of person. You know, the, whether they're on the ice or on the bench, like you're getting something said to you as you skate by them. They're going to be yelling shit. Like they just, the intensity and competitiveness that they have is... It's that person that you hate to play against, but you love to have on your team. You know, there's always those kinds of guys and it's nice to have a couple of them. Yeah, the confidence too, like Reeves coming into the building, walking like he's coming from Barbie land. Like you'll never see Wayne Simmons do that kind of shit, right? Like the BDE, the big dick energy, like just in general, Reeves has that persona. And I think it's perfect for this team and everyone's catching on. Like we saw in game one, even Matthews and Marner jumping into the scrum and Gio doing that massive bomb dive, belly flop on everyone. Like everyone just seems to be more synchronized this season and care more, you know, even in William Nylander's play, like tonight, the passion is there. Like so far this season, I know it's been two games, but you can tell in the way he plays, like there's no, none of that nonchalantness. Like he has a purpose and he's out there to, you know, succeed. He's going to make it really hard to lowball him. The longer the season goes, he's just determined to, drive his price up like fine you want to let me play out this season i'll make it more expensive i'll ask for more like good luck with this guys which is Cap's essentially going, going to be driving him out of toronto yep. um last thing on on like the the reeves thing and, and the whole change in the atmosphere is it's trickled all the way down even to the rookies like nice throws his weight around oh yeah i'm not saying that's all reeves because he you know he was showing signs of that in the playoffs last year but he's not afraid to throw his body. Like Minton was, you know, giving guys little cross checks and little slashes after the whistle when they're in the in the crease or around the crease. Like 
these are especially Minton. That's a kid who wasn't expected to make the NHL this year. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he's doing stuff like this. I don't know if it's because the confidence in the team or something that's been said, like, you know, pretend like you've been here before or, or whatever it is, right? Like you, you're here, so you belong here, but it's, it's trickled right down and it's really good to see. Well, I think it really comes down to like, you're not going to start something with somebody. If you look at the other team and you go, okay, five of those guys are going to fight me. And then you look back at the Leafs and you go, okay, we got Spezza and Simmons. Um, yeah, I'm not going to start this. They can, they get away with this one. I'm skating away from this. And I feel like the, that, that bleeds into more than just those little moments. Like that's what the reputation of this team became is like, you can push them around because there's nobody that's going to make you answer for it unless they send 38 or 39 year old Wayne Simmons out to fight you. And it's like, really, like you see him out and you go, Oh, we're doing this. Like you guys have one play and it send him out and you have to basically it's him or Clifford and you're, you're handicapping yourselves to do it. So congrats. Now it seems like people are, are not going to be able to push them around. And that's, like you said, it goes right down to Nyes and Minton, who being the of a size that they can compete, they're not afraid to use it because you can get backed up like after the whistle where you got Domi jumping in and, and protecting people and Bertuzzi doing the same. Like it's it's a different makeup. And I know we've said this a lot and it seems like beating a dead horse, but like the vibes on the team are so much different. And you have a couple players too, like Nyes and Minton trying to prove a point, uh building themselves up into this roster and trying to stick, right? Like coming into tonight, um, Nyes is facing his former teammate from the Minnesota golfers. Um, <laughs> um, uh, what's his name? Brock Faber there. And then you have Frazier Minton versus Marco Rossi on the third line center, like um, all night tonight, which is cool to see. And Minnesota's coming off like a shutout in game one of the season. They shut out Florida. Uh, Marco Rossi had one goal called back and he hasn't scored an NHL goal until tonight. So there there were some, you know, like people had targets tonight that they wanted to reach. And, um, you know, the Leafs were 5-0-1 in the last six against Minnesota. And uh, it's been four years since we started the, the season 2-0, and guys. Like, can you, can you believe that little stat? Like, I, I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised to see that. And looking but. at the forwards' time on ice here, only uh, Matthews, Marner, Neilander, Tavares, and um, what's his name, Bertuzzi, had more time on ice than Fraserman. Like he was sixth in time on ice on the team with fourteen minutes. That's crazy. Sorry, Jan Kroc had fourteen oh eight, but mm-hmm. like he had more time than Domi, than Gregor, than Nyes, than Camp, than Reeves. Like they really are showing that this kid has made his way. Not only just into the opening lineup, but like he's like, what's that? Their their third line center that he's bumping camp down. Yeah. Yep. And I think something important to note, too, is that he's 50 percent on the dot tonight, um, or like, which is really good for a rookie. Whereas when you see Connor Bedard's stats, uh, that's the one thing he's really he needs to work on this season, obviously being the number one center in Chicago. But that first game against Crosby and the Pens, like he lost pretty much every single face off. Uh, he only had a couple wins there and um, it was against other centers. So. 
um, Minton coming into the Leafs and having a strong, like, you know, skill on that dot is huge for the Leafs because obviously he's going to get better with time. He's going to get heavier and everything else. But that's a huge factor along. Same with Nyes, right? Like using that physical size and skill like he he's a a man among boys in training camp. And that's that's perfect for him being in this top six or even top nine. Yeah. Um, Okay. so since we've kind of gone jumbled as far as the order on this, we're now not only 2-0, and but uh, Austin Matthews has two hat-tricks. How in the fuck? Like, I'm sorry, but what? What? How do you have six goals and shooting 50% in two games? That is insane. Well, he clearly wasn't 100% healthy last year. Like, as well, much as no they said the, said the right thing, <laughs> just seeing him... His body language, his demeanor, his shot, everything this year compared to last year, you can tell he wasn't 100%. Sorry, maybe not that it, he wasn't healthy, but he wasn't to, he didn't have the conditioning that I think that he wanted due to off-season rehab, surgery, whatever. Like the, the ways he's throwing the puck on that from the corners there and just the like you said, the power and speed that he's coming through the zone with, like that was not there last year. I mean, we saw him adjust his game to maybe having a reduced range of motion or whatever it is dealing with something where he really upped his defensive side and, you know, to his credit, played a fantastic season, even though he only scored only 40 goals. But it seems like this year he's on pace for like, what, 256 already? Obviously not. But, yeah. you know, I, th- I think we're, we're looking at uh, an, another 60-goal season, knock on wood, right? You would think at least. And tonight it was very nice to see this first line gel. I mean, he did get a hat trick last game, but tonight I thought Tyler Bertuzzi had a lot more confidence in his game Mm -hmm. and so nice for him to get his first as a leaf. But especially on this first Matthews goal and this line working together, you know, um, Marner coming off the boards and Bertuzzi in front screening the goalie and you have Matthews taking the shot. Like this is exactly what we pictured. And it's working and with time hopefully they just build more chemistry because this line is absolutely lethal yeah it was like watching you know you you read okay this is what in a perfect world this line's going to do is that matthews gets open marner opens up the ice he's got the puck bertuzzi just ties up the front of the net watching it play out in real time being like like how smooth they did that that was perfectly executed like that was coaching perfection and player perfection just Oh my God. What a goal. Yeah. And the second goal, right? Coming from the goal line, just the craziest, craziest of angles and, um, J or JT, sorry. Um, no, was it the second goal for Matthews or the third where he shot it from the goal line there and it came off on that the, was the second, the third the was the one. backhanded rack burn. Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, but the second was the one that was JT's very briefly. <laughs> Yeah, and just throwing that puck on net and, you know, probably looking for JT or bouncing it off his stick or ass or whatever you want to do, but just taking the shot, right? Like, it it doesn't hurt when you're in the zone and, like, trying to fool the goalie, especially Gustafson coming off a shutout and then getting scored on three times in the first period. Their coach's face, man, tonight, like, every time the camera panned to him, oh, my God. After that Nylander goal where he just like threaded through three people like he was Connor McDavid and put it past the goalie, just tucked it in there. The same thing he did in the game against Montreal. 
but it's a lot more impressive against Phil Gustafson, obviously. Uh, yeah, the, when they cut up to the coach there, he was just like, what What are we doing? What did I, I thought we, what? Like, we're so shocked. Yeah, and Domi's first point as a Leaf on the Kneelander goal um, gets a secondary assist there. Hell yeah. Um, one thing I do want to mention about Domi, though, he seems like the guy that's getting bumped down a little. Uh, Yarn Croak seems to be the new Kerfoot of the team and getting bumped up to the second line, uh, fourth, third. And uh, Domi keeps getting pushed down a little. And uh, I, I mean, it's nice to see the assist. He had one shot, but only 1336 on ice tonight. Uh, uh, coming into tonight anyways, I was really hoping for the second line of JT, Willie, and Domi to find some chemistry, but maybe we need a different mix-up. Who knows? Maybe he's better on the third? Yeah, honestly, my expectations for Domi have kind of floated around like the expectations we had for his dad. Like, I'm not looking for him to be... I know he's not the same kind of player, but like you weren't expecting him to score night in and night out. He wasn't that kind of player. I think he's more there for, you know, being a pain in the ass and fast and, you know, whatever else he's good good at. I Really, I don't notice him that much. I don't think he's there to be an effective offensive player, though. We'll see. As the season goes on, maybe they'll find that, like, you know, um, Robertson comes back healthy and we've got him mitten and nyes and yarn croak and all of a sudden there's a surplus of people. And, you know, maybe Max Domi moves on again. But, look, the guy wants to be here for the rest of his career by the sounds of it. So, um, I don't know. Like I said, the expectations are low. I'm not looking at him as being a difference maker on this team. But it's, it's nice that there's somebody who wants to be here and plays with that passion. There was a couple times yeah. with him with Nylander and Tavares that I thought, you know, th- they could be getting something here. It. it there was a couple of shifts that it looked like they were starting to build some sort of chemistry. Just things happened with him going in the box and then, you know, a little bit of line juggling going on with some of the lapses that were happening in between the pipes. Um, yet again, I'm not expecting him to come in and, and score a hundred points or anything like that, but I can definitely, I definitely expect him to contribute maybe a little more than he is, but yet again, still just, the second game of the season um yeah i would yeah i agree i would like to see like a 40 point season out of him that would be nice but i just i don't know we'll see we're talking about a guy who once reached 72 points in 82 games with the canadians in 2018 2019 and scored 28 that year and unfortunately it just went down from there he did 44 in 71 games and then with the blue jackets I go, those were shortened seasons. Hurricanes only, mm, it just, it, it, he, he was kind of back and forth. Like the next highest point total was 49 and 60 with the Blackhawks uh, last season, which is still not too bad whatsoever. So with it's the so Leafs, hard to read his stat page because there's like, he gets traded so many times, like from 20, yeah. from 2020 to now, there's the Canadians, Columbus, Columbus, Carolina, Chicago, Dallas, and then Toronto, like it's it's really hard to put these together because you're like, oh wait, those are the same season. So, but, but he's got 39 in- points there, not 32 when he got traded from Columbus to Carolina, and then between Chicago and Dallas, he had 56 points that last year. Mm-hmm. 
But even in his first season, 52 points in 81 games, like this guy has potential and surrounding him with JT and Willie or even Nyes or whoever on this team, pretty much, uh, I only hope for him to succeed. And obviously it's game two, we're talking ahead of time, but um, yeah, I hope that he finds his presence on the team and, you know, makes a role for himself and just don't be afraid to shoot the puck, you know? Like, if you have it, just shoot it or find your man. Like, just make the play. Don't overthink it. And I know Toronto's been hyping him up like crazy because of the name. But, yeah, with time, hopefully he'll he'll pop off. Do you notice the uh, drop-off in his stats come as soon as he starts playing for John Tortorella? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he scored 28 goals, 44 assists, 17 goals, 27 assists in 11 less games. So that's the drop-off in points there. The next two seasons with Columbus, he got nine goals. And yeah. I'm sorry, but that's just, from what we've heard, that's Tortorella's system. That's not Domi. Like, this dude's literally trying to relearn how to play hockey over the last two years. He's been everywhere, man. Like, Coyotes, Hurricanes, Blackhawks, Stars, Blue Jackets, Canadians. Like, how many different systems, right? So, um, I guess... Like, he we'll- had 20 goals last year, is my point. Like, it was only that that down season where Columbus traded him after the second year of him only scoring nine goals. He goes mm-hmm. to Carolina. Obviously, that it didn't work there. Goes to Chicago, and all of a sudden, he gets 18 and 31. Moves to Dallas. He's still – like, that was another two goals. We had a 20-goal season with, like I said, 56 points, and that was last year. So I, I really think it's not outlandish to expect at least 40 or 45 points from him playing with the people he's playing with. Like, yeah, it's going to be a little less because he's not – I don't think he's going to be top six. I think he's going to be, like, a top nine or middle six, whatever you want to call it. The one thing I definitely want to say is I I like what I'm seeing from how it's looking like he wants the lines to be to start the games. Like, if you look at the four lines, this, like this game right now, if you had to pick one of the lines that was the best for on-ice expected goals against, who would you think it would have been? Matthews, Bertuzzi, and Marner. Third line. goals against. Sorry? Like like expected goals against. So the, be- oh, the best, oh, basically oh. a team that played best defensively. It was Nyes, Minton, and Yarncroke. That's what I thought. Third line. Because <laughs> multiple They're times tonight, I saw Nyes alone pickpocket Minnesota players literally right off the shot. He was like, thank you very much. Just sneaky right in the back and like pickpocketing them all night long and like like a mini Matthews in a sense. So man, if this this type of play can grow, whew, like I hope they keep these guys up. Yeah, definitely. There was one play that I saw that where uh, Gregor and Minton almost scored. I think it was in the first period where Gregor stripped the puck off somebody when uh, Minnesota was turning it around. I think it was off Boldy. And they just, like, out of nowhere, the speed and the even the commentators were like, oh, Frazier Benton! Oh! They wanted it so bad. Yeah, but speaking of Domi, uh, he got placed on the third line with Minton and Nyes in the third period, and then you had Yarncroke up on the second line. And uh, just speaking of Yarncroke, Bertuzzi, and this second power play unit, guys, 
How nice is it to have a legit second unit, in my opinion, where you have Riley feeding everyone, and then you have Bertuzzi, who's also a known 30-goal scorer, Domi, who's almost there as well, Yarncroke parked right in front as a bumper, and Bertuzzi so easily just fed by our... Or Riley feeds Yarncroke right in front to Bertuzzi and right in, building that confidence. Man, this second power play unit, like I hope they they play a little bit more than 30 seconds or less because I think they have so many options as well. Well, that'll guarantee you more power play goals this year just on the fact that like if a team has one good penalty kill line, they're going to put it out against your power play one. But if there's any drop off on any team between their second and first penalty kill, you get to take advantage of that because their PP2 is like basically on par with you know the bottom half of the team's first power play so it's it's really like an extra weapon that they have against you know teams that are slipping and that's really what the Leafs need to do this year is take advantage of those and stop losing to the fucking Arizona Coyotes and Columbus Blue Jackets and like you know take the easy wins I think that's what this team is built better for is is coming into showing up to games that they should win and winning them yeah and then we have the Yarncroke goal, who, which is kind of similar to the second power play unit goal where uh, it comes from Riley, who feeds Yarncroke across the crease and he becomes the one to shoot it in. Like, I'm just saying the more experience and uh, time played together will build chemistry across these lines. And um, I know every year we pump the lease. We think they're one of the best teams in the league, but... Seriously, this team this year is different and, in my opinion, something special and even more so than previous years. That's my point. Yeah, and like we said, uh, just to finish off the goals, Matthews with the wraparound to make it a a hat trick and the Nylander with another beautiful shot to uh, pick up two and putting the Leafs at seven goals on the night. I mean, that's – what do they got? Six? Uh, I mean, okay, I guess the shootout one doesn't count. So that's 12 goals they've scored in their first two games plus a shootout win that's yeah that's a lot already that is a lot and that kind of leads us to a question um someone was asking um where is it of course it slips oh 13 goals in two games thank you maple leaf fan uh is great i guess he's counting the shootout goal but giving up well, nine the, the standings do for some reason that yeah. actually does count as a, a goal for which is stupid 13 goals in two games is great but giving up nine in those games is not is that samsonov or the d I mean, Sammy's been bad but i'm just looking through um tampa has let in nine in two games um and the Jets have let in nine in two games, and the Kraken have been, let in nine. <laughs> it hasn't been a good start to the season for a lot of goalies. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! The Anaheim Ducks haven't played a game yet. Nope. What the fuck? How is that even possible? Or the Islanders? Yes, they have. Or tonight they played, right? Yeah, tonight, finally. Is that only today? Wow, they played the Sabres today for the first... What is with this schedule? How does how has Anaheim not played yet? It's almost been a week. Literally having Troy Terry in fantasy and you look up his player card comments and everyone's like, will the Ducks ever play a regular game like in this season? Like Everyone's like, when do the Ducks play? Oh my god. Uh, they're playing right now against Vegas, who has already played two games. Like, <laughs> what the hell happened there? 
<laughs> okay, back to the question though. Um, I think Sammy has looked off. Um, I mean, look, there's clips on some other shows of Peter Mrazek uh, and his abysmal start to the season, not knowing where his posts are. I got real nervous watching Sammy tonight when he was like coming up to make some saves and then the puck goes to the other side of the rink and you're like, buddy, you got a wide open net on the other side. Where are you? Like, do we have to tie you to the net? He looked, <laughs> he looked lost and shaky, like nervous and overplaying things. Like he, he wasn't himself and I'm getting concerned. Yes, it's game two, but my God, some of those goals were tough to watch. It's definitely game two and like, Sammy had a lot of pressure put on him last year with how Wall came in and played during the playoffs. Like, because I've said many times, it wasn't Wall that lost that series on us. <clears throat> so That's true. You have that pressure because it's not like, okay, with Murray, it was a little bit different because I genuinely think everybody was on the same page that they expected it to be a tandem. Um, But now... There's no reason to say that Wall can't, you know, get a good game and, and run with this and, and, you know, get a lot of games in a row. So there's that pressure. There's the other fact. It's the start of the season. We see this almost every year. The season starts off and the goals per game is like seven, eight, nine goals per game. And then it, you know, drops back down to that five to six goals a game range. So I'm not overly worried yet if we're still talking like this two weeks from now. Yeah. Then yeah, we have we have something to really, really think about and really look into. Well, the other thing about the pressure is like Sammy wasn't brought in to be the starting goalie. He was brought in to be you know the backup, really the the B to Matt Murray. And I think you know when when a, a company tells you their plan for you when they employ you, and then that kind of goes to shit, and all of a sudden the responsibility falls on you. You're now the number one. Uh, that's that's a lot. So I feel like he's probably dealing with being a starting goaltender for the biggest, you know, microscopes team in the NHL. That's not easy. Like, has he, I don't think he's ever played a season as like the starting goaltender or even played opening night for a team. Mm, He had some, some, he had a lot of games with Washington. Yeah. But I'm finding that these Uh, last. Not really. He played, the most he played in a season for them was 44. And that was 21-22. So, that would have been with Vanacek there, so it was like a tandem thing. Well, that's okay. what I mean is he's never – that's just over half the season. That's the most he's ever played. Last year he played 42 for the Leafs. So he's not – like like we said, you know, obviously Wall's going to be splitting the time with him. But it's like when, when you know that you're supposed to be the second best and then all of a sudden there's somebody behind you and you're expected to be the best one on a team that has high expectations, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, but tonight one of the one of the goals, like that bouncing puck off Duhame, uh, that was kind of fluky. Um, Got to give Sammy credit there. There was a couple goals that he didn't see last game either. It was just kind of, I don't know, it, it weird. And I find I'm finding that his weak spot has been up high, like bar down and in, finding a lot of goals going in like that. And maybe he's solid down low, but obviously it's super early and I only hope the best. But that kind of leaves leads us to our next question um, from Scott on Discord. Are the road games after Monday night best for Sammy to settle in and find his game? Or is it Wall's audition to become the starter? 
Also One second, fun I'm just guy. Try to pull up a stat on him. Uh, at South Paul Cow also asked, "Does Wall start on Monday?" I mean, I feel like you kind of got to run Sammy until you know if he's just shaky or if you've got an issue on your hands. Like being saying, you know, if it's if we're still talking like this in a week, then you got to do something about it. But I think to go to Wall right away might be detrimental to Sammy. Like you might just break him and be like, "Well." Just pack it in for the season already. Like, I suck. And you don't want See, to. Res, I kind of disagree with that. I think you need to give him a chance. Like, he came out and admitted after the first game. It, it was it was a rough game. Um, and he went back out tonight. And it, it was a rough game again. Like, Boldy's goal, okay, it was a beautiful shot. But he was too deep in his net. He was down too early. Like, that, that should have been stopped. The Duhame goal that you mentioned, Steph... Yes, it was a bouncer. It was a weird goal, but his stick wasn't in the right spot. Like that went in five hole. If you're just standing there bracing yourself for a shot, your stick should be there. Even if you didn't get down in time, which you didn't get down in time, yeah. your stick should stop that puck because it wasn't a howitzer that's going to overpower it and bust through your stick. It was a like a, a love tap on a bouncing puck. So with the one good side, we don't have any back-to-backs coming up, so we're not forced into you know switching goalies and doing the, like trying to figure it out that way let's let's run with this let's give sammy a break let him reset give wall some action and then you have sammy for florida and tampa because you got chicago florida tampa next week i would rather give wall a chance to enter the season playing against the blackhawks let sammy try to redeem himself against the panthers and go from there I agree with you, Bean. Honestly, I would put Wall in for Chicago and then give Sammy the Florida teams because you know I don't we we don't expect Chicago to be a high scoring team. They're you know bottom tier elite or team, but at the same time, I want Wall to get some reps. Like I don't want Wall to be sitting five plus games. Like if is this supposed to be a tandem and we want Wall to? do something good for us in the future. I think he needs a couple turns in between as well, as much as my other half of my brain doesn't want to say that for fantasy purposes. But at the same time, Samsonov, you're killing me, guy. Like, oh, my God, 875 tonight, which was a little better than yesterday when it was the 833 or something. But uh, shake it off, man. Get get rid of the cobwebs because um, this is going to be a downfall. We can't have a 10-plus goal game every game you know um i apologize i'm on my phone here but i am double checking a stat that i was i had a hunch and i just confirmed it um against montreal was Elias samsonov's first time playing the opener game for any team like he's never been you're starting as our starting goaltender before vanacek started in the season that he played the most games at 44 for Washington. So they might have gotten there eventually, but he has never had this pressure coming into game one where it's, we are depending on you to be our starting goaltender. That's kind of not being talked about enough. Like we, we've put a lot of, you know, oh yeah, Sammy will be good. All we needed from Campbell was, you know, decent goaltending and we got it and, you know, look what happened. All we just need is a little better than that. And that's what we've got. I just, I don't think, I don't think it's working um, so far, but. We'll see. But that's on, the thing that I'm, I'm most nervous about, I guess. On the other side of that, though, is we're not talking about, like, 
and I hate using his name because he was a great NHL goalie for, or a good NHL goalie for a long time, very serviceable backup. But we're not talking about McElhaney. We're hey, talking he about works the, for the team now. <laughs> I know that's why I felt okay actually mentioning his name. Um, like we're oh, talking big about save Dave. Sam Sonov, someone who was drafted high with high expectations and has been talked about right from day one that this is a future number one. This is a future all-star goalie that's going to lead a team. So he's he's had that all the way coming up through his career. He's had that pressure and that potential, and people have thought that about him. And from that, his mindset should be, that's what I want. Like, I want to come in and be expected to be the one. So it, it's, it's a completely different mindset if you're coming in expecting to be the backup where everybody thinks you're a good goalie, but you're not going to be the one. Like, if someone goes down, you can fill in here and there. No, no. Like, Samsonov from day one has had the potential and the the resume to make this warranted. That's fair. Um, I guess, really, it comes down to, um, again, how much runway do we give him to find that before you pull the plug and put ball in and, and honestly, is it pulling the plug or is it just accepting that this is a tandem and neither of them are going to be elite goalies? Like, like you said, it's, it's that, that's there, the but well, th- this is what I mean though, is like you're the expectation is that he can be this elite starter. Like that was, that's the story behind Samsonov. But at what point do we accept that he's not going to play 60 games or 55 and that we gotta, we have to get wall his reps too. So I think it's going to be hard to juggle that. The NHL has changed so much. Like, we grew up, I grew up, I don't know about you kids, but I grew up in an era with, like, Broder playing 70 games, Kipper playing 70 games. I like, was just going to say, like, Kippersoff and what was the the one on Nashville? Um, his um, name is escaping me. Vokun Rene? played a lot. Pecorine and, and Vokun, both, um, yeah. You had Kipper, Nabaka played a lot. Like Turco played sure. a lot. We had like there was tons of NHL goalies who played almost every game for their team. I guess the opposite. Like, there wasn't tons of NHL goalies. There was like twenty five of them. <laughs> <laughs> like we're we're not there anymore. The game has changed so much. There's so much added pressure and stress. Every player ha- has the skill and the ability to snipe from everywhere. You didn't have two full lines of players that basically were just out there to block shots and hit. Right, so there's all that added stress. There's so much more speed and flexibility expected out of all these goalies that injury rates are through the roof. So you don't want them playing the games. Like, what's the big talking point been in Tampa the last handful of years? We need to cut down on Vasilevsky's workload so he's better for the playoffs. And look where we are. Right, injured. It's it takes a while to get into that mindset of, well, yeah, same as our number one. Wait. He's not playing game three. Okay, what's wrong? Controversy. It's not, that shouldn't be the mindset. It's, even if it is a 50-50 tandem or 60-40, 70-30, whatever it is, you still need to get both players in there for the reps early on in the season. That way they can feel the puck. They both feel part of the team. And I really think that this is the best way to go. Have Wall for Chicago. Easy. Well, Me too. Not easy, but get him into the league. And then Samsonov can reset for Florida and Tampa. Agreed. 
Um, should we move on to another part of Maple Leaf Fan's question? He sent in three. Thank you very much. I was just going to say, we should, uh, we should just transition to the, uh, the social media scrum here and just end off on questions because we're at 46, almost 50 minutes now. Was true sorry, living? My chair, my chair keeps making all these annoying popping sounds. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I thought that was my knee. <laughs> <laughs> my back. I'd be concerned if it was mine. Oh, okay. That's what oh, I was doing. I got to stop moving like that. Was that your back? Oh. Okay, I, gotta, I have to. This is insane. As soon as <laughs> I mention down. it, it does it like four times. I should have brought it up. Okay. <laughs> well, there. was True Living wrong? To not extend Nylander, the price has likely gone up now, and I totally agree. With every game, it seems the dollar the dollar signs are rising. So, should he have done this in the summer, or should we wait maybe twenty five games or so and get more of a sample size? I mean, it's like I said on the last show. You got to see what you've got from all these guys you signed to one year deals before you can make a commitment at the end of the year. Like, Nylander's in a good position where the cap's going up and they have a bunch of guys they're trying out. So, you know, they can say no now, but he knows that if he he asks again, like, that's why they're they're kind of, I think, stalled on talks, is because they both see a window where this can happen. And right now, there's really no point talking about it with him because they can't afford it as of right now. And they don't want to force their hand with you know, guys like Klingberg and Bertuzzi, you know, say the end of the year, it it makes a ton of sense to keep Bertuzzi, but maybe not Klingberg. That opens up some money for Nylander. But like, you know, you, you can't make those decisions in the first week of the season or even the mm-hmm. first month. So I think it's it's going to be a really drawn out, annoying process. Do I think his, his value is going up? I think it's just kind of getting to uh, like what he's asking for. Like if he's asking for 10, 10 and a half, like he should be playing like this. He should be an otherworldly player. Like, that's what double digits says. If he was playing, you know, the same he was last year, I'd be like, okay, this is a guy that if we pay any more than nine to, we're fucked. But if, look, if he's going to prove it, and if something happens with, you know, knock on wood with Tavares or with, you know, any of these other guys that are on the one-year deal, like I said, that they can make it work, great, because I would really hate to see Nylander go. And the longer we wait, the less... um, trade value you can get for him because everyone knows the Leafs are going to be stuck in a corner with him. Yeah, I guess you don't want to end up like, you know, Jeff Skinner and getting that big money payday and then the next season he just kind of went so uh, it's kind of hard, like a double-edged sword here because I do believe his value is going up, but that's a good point, Roscoe like if he wants this money he has to play like this and that's why you know Leafs Nation is kind of divided like get rid of Nylander keep keep Nylander because one day he's like eh and then the next day he's beast mode so from the eye test anyways yeah and if he's going to be a center or you know giving this much yeah sure I'll give him 10 but if he's like a winger that's on every now and then yeah it doesn't make sense did you see this goal? I don't know, Bean, are you seeing this? The McDavid the, one that just McDavid happened? McDavid one? That was yeah. such oh, a yes. scramble. It's insane. Picks. And it's so crazy seeing Casey DeSmith in a Vancouver jersey. Weird. Weird. Yellow to very, blue. <laughs> very weird. So, like, I, I agree with you, Roscoe. I don't know if it's necessarily increasing his price too much, but more so getting to what the rumor was that he was asking for. 
Um, because, like you said, him playing like this, that's the play of a $10 million, $11 million player. Mm-hmm. Like that, if he can bring that for a full 82 game season, absolutely. Pay him the 10, we'll figure it out. Like at this point, between the four of those players, they're already at like a 44 or 45% of the cap. There, no team has any extra guys they're carrying right now anyway. Like, no. the, the Leafs aside, the salary cap is an abysmal position. Like, no one can afford to have the team that, like, if every player got even 80% of what they were asking for, every team would be at $100 million. Like, it's mm-hmm. it just it's so stupid that we're losing jobs. Wow, Vancouver scored again. Losing jobs in the NHL <laughs> over this dumbass salary cap. But, you know, we're, it's the reality that we're in. And until it takes a huge jump over the next couple of years. Like you got to be really careful. Like uh, I know we've only got the one more year of Tavares at double digits, but you know, it's, it's top end and bottom end uh, contracts that eat up the whole cap. Like there's not going to be room for, you know, signing somebody like Bertuzzi for 5 million or Klingberg for 5 million. When you've got, like you said, 45% of the cap and four guys, and then you got to fill the rest of the lineup with Noah Gregors and Kelly Arncroaks. Like, I, I can definitely see a way for it to work. Um, the cap is going to go up. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that with the way the revenue is. Um, it just all depends on how much. I know there was positive talks with how much the revenue increased this year on a year-over-year basis from the year before. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know they were they were pleasantly surprised because there was talk that it was gonna the cap was going to go up more than just the $1 million this year. Um realistically there's no reason that within the next two years it shouldn't be at almost 100 million it should be because i know it doesn't count towards the hockey related revenue but with the amount of expansions going on like these owners have been paid back like it's so stupid that the the, uh, players got shafted on this deal because all the money that these owners lost because of the COVID lockdowns has all been repaid between the tv deals and the the seattle expansion like they, that's money directly into all the owners' pockets that doesn't affect the salary cap at all or become hockey-related revenue. So it's it's insane that they're arguing that they still need more money out of the players before they can make an adjustment like that because really it's like it's an employment thing at this rate. You've got guys that are not working in the NHL because there's just no money for them. Speaking of random hockey-related revenue, the Leafs still not having a helmet sponsor. Yeah, Actually, I noticed that there was. I was looking for what they had instead of TikTok because I didn't see the other game, and you guys can remember. It, and it's like, oh wait, there's nothing. And the patch stays, I guess, because set game two All Star patch, I guess, is going to be a all season thing, right? At least until the All Star game, I guess. Also, just speaking of Tavares, um, he's, he's you know he does great things. He gets paid double digits in the mills, but. Tonight, he collected his fifth assist of the season. He had two apples tonight, and he was nice. actually uh, 62.5% on the dot. So just quietly doing his job uh, behind the scenes, not even like this. He might not be scoring the goals, but he's you know playing all the right ways. And I hope you know he stays, obviously, for a team-discounted price and because he loves the city, of course, and wants to have this team succeed. But... Yeah, last last game he had three assists, and I've totally forgot to mention that. So um, just kudos to John Tavares. Morgan so, Riley was a plus four on the night. Holy. JT, it, 
has been in the league since 2009-2010. And he is ridiculously consistent to the point of he comes to a new team, you know, captain, leader, expecting to slow down, getting a little bit up there in age as far as athletes come. He's only three points off of being a point-per-game player as a Maple Leaf. Wow. In his entire tenure, you mean? Yeah. And, like, everybody always talks, oh, he's too slow, he's too this, he's too... No, he's been there. He's been doing exactly what he was brought in to do. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I think he deserves the the big money payday. And, of course, there's going to be a discount later on, but... Hey, I'm so happy all the time to see JT succeed, and he almost got that goal tonight off the ass or whatever, but I think he's in for a big game uh, next week. And um, just to go like back to the rookie point for a sec, you know, our core have always been the kids, right? Like Matthews, Mourner, and like we're, I guess we're in the era now where they're leaders and we have kids coming in and like they are the role models. So I can really see this maturity shine through and like other than JT, of course, who's been a role model for so long of his career, but Matthews, Marner, Nylander, like these guys are setting an example and offensively anyways. And the two way play, like it, it shows. And even for the new guys, like um, Bertuzzi, a plus three tonight as well. Like that must feel good for him. I feel like this is the first year that Mitch doesn't look like a child. Like when you see him <laughs> on the bench, like it, it it looks like he's always, you know, just shaved and his, his face looks like it's grown into itself. And, yeah. you know, he just, he doesn't look like a child anymore. Like he's a married. lot of hockey players, that's, there's that if, too. But a lot of hockey players still look like kids for a long time. Yeah. Fraser Minton. Um, I was just going to say. Quinn, Quinn Hughes. Um, Nick yeah. Ritchie. If, Yeah. If you, it's actually quite funny. My wife did this the other day. Um, she's always looking for a hockey, pl- a famous hockey player to set her sister up with, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> nice. So she was looking through all the pictures. Of, like, if you go through from his rookie year to now, Mitch Marner's NHL player photos, it's hilarious. Because one year he's like, okay, that's still a kid. And then the next year, his neck is like four times the size as it was the year before. Yeah. He got thick. Yeah. Just like, pure muscle yeah and then the oh joe thornton year he like they had the longer <laughs> hair all of them and then they got it cut and like there's like little themes throughout and like he kind of looked a little chipmunky to me you know like if he had like braces or something and then that that sunk down like now he was really chiseling out and growing into a man he's yeah. a married man i want to share, share this because it's pretty funny if you guys don't know, um, on Hockey DB, if you click the person's picture, it changes to their old ones. <laughs> oh. So you can cycle through them. Oh, cool. Anyone who's on video, you can see this. But You can see the the changing of age. Like, that's a child. Wow. That Just, is a literal that child. Is a child. And his teeth, too, right? Like, he went to the veneers after a while. <laughs> this looks like a class photo. Yeah. Grade 10. That, grade like 10 class photo. There's the grade 11. There. <laughs> There's like, a senior year. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, he's a he's a man now. <laughs> man. <laughs> okay. Red also a funny one to go through. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> but 
so tonight we got a question for our friend uh, TML fan in Van and also ties into another question from Maple Leaf fan. Is Austin Matthews elite? And Fucking also be for 13.25. <laughs> can Austin get three, three games in a row? Next up is Chicago. Is that would that be like an NHL record? Like consecutive hat tricks? So just speaking on that fact, um, Matthews becomes the fifth ever to start the season in back-to-back hat tricks. The only other active player is Ovi, but the other three players, uh, did you guys catch uh, when that happened? 1917. uh, Yeah, I'm reading the stat. It says Matthews is the first Maple Leaf to record hat tricks in consecutive games since Wendell Clark in 1993-94 and becomes the fifth player in NHL history with consecutive hat tricks to start a season, the second since 1917. Right. Like, wow, over 100 years ago, guys. So this, like, the gloat, the greatest Leaf of all time, hell yes. And can he do it again? Can he do it again? Absolutely. I pff, why not? Psycho right? It's Joe. Peter Morazic. <laughs> it doesn't that, say how fa- Go ahead. It doesn't say how many he got in a row though. Oh. Like that that's a factor too. Like it is against Morazic, no offense to the guy, but the team knows him. Yeah. Mm, you, they... you, do you guys know what else happened in 1917? What? Oh. Oh yeah, arenas. Well, I was gonna the say the Toronto franchise won their first cup. We're coming off of World War One too. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it light and hockey related. Man. Well, <laughs> it is hockey related because that very drastically affected the NHL. You know, the players that were available wasn't that when they had like wasn't it during World War One that like a 16 or 15 year old made their debut in the NHL because they just literally didn't have anybody else. <laughs> it was like the only time a 16 year old's played in the NHL. Well, 1718 was the first year of the NHL. What's that? 1917-1918 was the first year of the NHL. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just had our centennial year the other year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I just want to say, speaking to Matthew's eliteness, I don't know if you guys caught at the end when he was announced the first star, he was giving his stick to a kid just over the glass and then someone yanked the stick and it didn't go to the kid, but he stood there at the glass and waited until that person gave the stick to the kid and then skated away. So I'm like, slow clap. Thank you very much. Like... Screw you, person, for doing that and taking it away from the kid. But good for you, Matthews, for you know holding this guy accountable because he would have been embarrassed. I'm sure you know he would have blown up on social media if he didn't give that stick back. Here, I found most consecutive hat tricks. Joe Malone did it three times in a row, twice in that same season. Cyclone Joe, and then Mike Bossy in 1980, 1981. He had three hat tricks in a row. Damn. No one's ever done four in a row. Oh. So yeah, I mean, if if Matthews gets three, then we're uh, into a record. Oh my god, it's happening and it's recording. 
<laughs> this is not the right song. Where's That's my song? That's not the right song. Hey, fuck easy. you. Give me That's a second. Sexy. <laughs> That's, I have it as... As, as his camera's looking at the open in his shirt. Yeah. All I see is dirty titty. <laughs> What's up? Thanks for joining. I'm glad it's working this time. And that yeah, that was we, ridiculous. That's insane. I'm so sad we lost that. We had some great chats. And I obviously made that. I haven't actually heard that episode. I'm too, I'm too afraid to listen to it because I'm sure like I ruined it. <laughs> so, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Luckily, I, I I managed to. I knew that there was going to be an issue of some kind. So I was like, I'm just going to keep you in one section, and we're going to wrap it up there. Like, keep everything contained. Anything with you is going to be in this one section. And thank God I did that because nothing worked. <laughs> That's, oh, man, I'm so cheesy. So let's let's give the people, before we sign off here, uh, a little taste of what they missed from our thing. So, so Darty, um, we talked about the goal song, and we talked about what we're excited for this season. So which, which one do you want to rant about here because we didn't get to hear it? Um. The goal song has changed. We've even I was talked about say, that. I actually didn't get to hear the goal song tonight because I was listening to it on the radio and then I kept falling asleep because I was so tired today. So all I heard was like every time I wake up, I get fucking like, commercials instead of like what I wanted to hear. But um, like all the goals were amazing. Joe's voice, like he, you could tell this. I think that like I think Joe truly, Joe Bowen truly believes that this is like this is the season. And if Joe believes it, then I believe it. Because I've never heard that man happier. And it's only two games in. Yeah, just before you hopped in, I don't. I was looking at another page. I don't know when you came in, but we've been talking about um, Matthew's getting two hat-tricks in a row and, and what, you know, that means history-wise, like how insane that is. You know, we're, well, we're two games what, in and the guy's got... Like, that's the only other guy I know that's done that. To like start Bossy the season, yeah. did two in a row, but not to start the season. You know, um, Joe Malone did three to start the season and then three later on in 17-18. And that's 19-17-18, not 2017-18. Yeah, over 100 years ago. So the gloat is here and what a time to be a Leaf fan. Yeah. Oh, actually, we didn't talk about what happened with... Because uh, last game we were talking about the Oilers-Vancouver game as it was on. And we went, oh, Thatcher Demko left. I wonder what happened. Turns out, bomb, right? <laughs> turns out he threw up in his mask. <laughs> Poor guy. He had the flu. Oh, I, I can't, can't even imagine. I, I can't imagine like being in net and making those movements just every time knowing like, I don't know what's going to come out, guys. I'm sorry. And I, I feel like it's like a fishbowl effect too. So it's kind of like, like just <laughs> up. <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh. Ian, do you have any experience in uh, yakking in the, the old helmet? So thankfully, no. Um, garbage cans, yes, not not in the helmet. Um, there has been some some tournaments that have been played where some beverages have been consumed, <laughs> but thankfully not in my gear. Um, that being said, as weird as it sounds, if you are actually sick, at, at least for me, I always found going out in a plane actually helped. Like battling through it, getting the sweat on, because it, it just it made you feel better if you were feeling like dog shit that morning. Well, yeah, I guess 
if you can manage any physical activity while you're sick, you know, sweating and getting all that out, you know, like you said, it's going to help. You're replacing all your fluids and getting I exercise. Don't Things I don't that people subscribe don't to the man do. cold. So the man cold. Well, I remember reading in like one of those Uncle John's bathroom readers that there was some goaltender who used to just throw up all the contents of whatever was in his stomach before a game because he could he couldn't eat before. He's like he felt better with an empty stomach, and I was like, that's so, just weird. So there there has been multiple goalies who have had issues with nerves um one of which actually is one of my favorite stories in the nhl um frank mccool came in as a nobody for the leafs um and he his nickname was actually ulcers because of the because of how often he ended up getting sick um wow but yeah led led the leafs to stanley cup one rookie of the year and then disappeared off base of the year so wow yeah um I think ulcers is a great nickname like just <laughs> I've, I've, I've been we've been talking about it for a while i've been meaning to do some little history episodes and he is one of the ones on top of my list because his story is so unique and i love it nice um, and then me being a goalie but one day we'll get around to it. <laughs> it's just like I don't know. Just it's just like that nickname. Just like it's like, hey, hemorrhoids, get over here. <laughs> it could be a fantasy yeah. team name. I mean, there is a team named Boobies, so why not be ulcers? <laughs> uh, Steph, do you got another question we want to toss to uh, to Darty before we get out of here? Hey, um, we went through all the questions, but Darty. Why don't you tell us your opinion on the impact Reeves has had on this team so far? That's a good one. The impact Re- that Reeves has had on this team so far? Well, I think it's very clear that uh, everything that Leafs fans could have possibly have dreamed of, and I guess like when I say Leafs fans, I'm talking about a select few because I, I think that's a big generalization. When we, I, I like to think that like I like a rough and tumble Leafs team, but I'm aware that not everybody likes that. But... I think the the folks like me who, you know, grew up with Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em Hockey really love this crap. <laughs> this is what, this is the kind of stuff that we, you know, we pay to see. And um, it's not even like we just have Reeves anyways. Like, I think that, especially in today's game, you know, a hybrid type player is w- the way to be, right? Like, nobody wants just a straight up enforcer anymore. It'd be nice if every team had a Tom Wilson, I'm sure, but it's just not possible. Not even that Tom Wilson is an enforcer, he's just really mean. And I think that's, I guess, going b- back to the point of a hybrid player, right? Like, you can't just be, you know, uh, like a Marty McSorley. You have to be a Tom Wilson. You have to be also equally as good at your game. And, I, I, and again, like, even like, I'm pretty sure McSorley was a great player too. It's just like, it's just like, it's just different. You know what, you know what I'm trying to say? It's, it's being hard to play against. You know? Yeah. I'm just saying, it's, I don't want to, I'm out here taught. I know I'm not some great hockey player myself. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, it's like, these guys are all, anybody who's made the show is great, but we know what I'm saying when it comes to, it's not just a pure enforcer anymore. It's someone who's also going to be a great skilled player too. And like, look at, like Bertuzzi, I said, like he, we, I'm, in, I'm baffled. He's on our team, and yeah, guess who got a goal tonight, right? Even though he's the one of the baddest mofos out there, right? Yeah, yeah. And this his is top something... job on his stick is horrendous. <laughs> 
but Kyle Dubas, right, like would never go after these types of players. Like uh, you hear Leafs Nation pr- cry and cry about different kinds of players, and I don't think he would ever even look at a guy like Bertuzzi or Reeves or even Klingberg at the time. I guess that the price tag was really high, and it's nice to be able, like even Domi, and making that connection. I feel like Tre Living's really making the decisions that we thought would never happen for the Leafs. Guys, I just have to jump in. Neither of the Oilers goalies two games into the season now are above a 750 save percentage. Oh, yeah. 727 for Skinner and 750 for Jack Campbell currently. Yeah. If we're going like, to mention Dubas' name in the couple paragraphs from now, I'm just going to say, like, the one thing he did right was get rid of Jack Campbell. We love Soupy. Holy shit. No the- kidding. He, he knew, obviously knew something that a lot of us who, you know, were definitely bleeding hearts for Jack Campbell did not know. And well, <laughs> and I'm sorry. I really wish the best for Jack Campbell. But it's like, did he not, like, lose it at game 8-1 recently? Like, <laughs> Well, him and Skinner, yeah. they split them, right? Like, yeah. Oh. Like, the fact yes that and Edmonton's no. trying this hard that they've got 22 shots, they've got three goals. Vancouver's got 10 shots, and they've got three goals. Like, you can't stay in a game if your goalies are not going to make a save. It doesn't matter if you have Dreisaitl and McDavid. Like, this is embarrassing. Well, and, and like, yes and no. Yes, <sighs> I wouldn't have given Campbell what he got. But at the same time, can we give a little respect to the Toronto coaching staff? Like, Toronto's a hell of a lot better defensive team than anybody gives them credit for. It's always, oh, their defense sucks, their defense sucks. It's No, they play as a fucking unit. Like, they're, just they're gonna a defensive say. team. Like, it's the Carolina model. Like, whenever when Carolina got rid of Mrazek and um, Nadelkovic after they both played great, everybody thought, well, you guys are crazy. They just turned it around, got Freddie and Ranta, and, like, just keep going. Like Campbell yeah. was insulated in Toronto system, which got him that contract. Like he should be paying part of that to Sheldon Keith. Okay. Yeah. Fuck. We have to reframe the situation, right? Like I totally agree, Bean. And even Marty was posting about this on Twitter. Like this just shows how good Toronto's D actually is. And because we're always nitpicky, especially covering every game. Like we highlight, low light, like even Brody last game, right? Like how horrible of a game was that? And kind of forgetting that during training camp, he lost his dad and he couldn't participate for a majority of training camp and the preseason games. So there's other factors. But Jack Campbell, I know I used to go on and on about how he's elite. And you, you get, you go in love, you get in. I wish I had a button. I gotta go find a I know. clip of you saying it so I can make it I a know. button. I know. Jack Campbell is elite, yes, but also I love him as a person. Who who can't love Jack, Jack Campbell, right? Like he's just such a character, um, such a good guy, and I think I fell in love with that aspect. And he played so well for the Leafs, and but we have to highlight the rest of the team that made that happen. It just wasn't always Jack Campbell, and he had that underdog story and coming up later in the NHL, and it was such like a, a story to hold on to. And even Matt Murray, right? We always wanted him to succeed, but the price tag, you're right, being like way too high. And uh, Dubis, you're right, Darty, uh, that was a good move not to sign him. What is it with slightly above average Leafs goalies being everyone's fan favorites? Like since, since like pot fan, it's like no matter who's playing in net, everyone's like, that's my favorite person on the team. Like Anderson had it. Everybody loved Freddie. Reimer. Reimer had that. Like I, 
there've never been you know otherworldly goalies it's just for some reason toronto latches on to okay. just how nice our goalies are it, that's are the thing saying, that's I... that's what i'm trying to get at here is it's it's never about their play it's always they're really nice guys you want to feel good for them it's we've done that like a couple times in a row now where it's like their play aside i'm just happy for the guy why do we give a shit like why does that why is it always the goalies like we don't treat like justin hall didn't get that nick ritchie didn't get that like they could play like shit and it's like yeah but you know it's this or they've shown that they can the goalies get so much more like runway with this and everyone just mm. it's he's there's such a good guy though you know michael <laughs> hutchinson yeah like mackling no, riddich all these guys get so much runway before it's like nah i can't potential anymore. I feel like I feel like we're Martin used- Jones has not cracked 890 <laughs> in five seasons, and everyone's like, "Yeah, but he's still a good guy," you know. Yeah, <laughs> as Leafs fans, we're used to the idea that we're never going to have a Patrick Waugh or Martin Brodeur. Like, what the, the last time we had a goaltender like that was what? Like, this again, besides you know Eddie the Eagle, like I would argue is what Turk Broda and, and Johnny Bauer. <laughs> it, like, so yeah. <laughs> Okay, I don't know how deep we want to get into this. Um, I was starting to interject there when you said, so are you saying that we haven't had uh, like a goalie since Pop Van? No, I'm saying that's not what I said. I said that okay. none of the goalies that we've had since that, none of them have been like world stopping the number one goalie in the league. Like we've had like forward and Cujo. wise. Yeah, okay. Cujo we always and- get like, eight minus goalies. We never get like, eight. You know what I mean? Like that's exactly what I mean. Is we never have the best one in the league, but it's we always treat them so well because they're nice guys. Everybody always likes them more as a person than as a player, and that only goes for our goalies. And I've just it's something that I've noticed. I don't know. Cujo was right there with the best in the league as a Leaf, and realistically, despite his age, so was Belfour. Um, you never hear anybody saying that stuff about Belfour though, because he was a little bit of a prick. But I kind of loved him for it. Yeah, people um, don't talk that way about Rhymer anymore either. So, uh, yeah, don't get me started on religion. Um, no, so Pop Van, Cujo, Belfour, like as Leafs, they were all right there with some of the best in the league. And then even if you go back into the seventies, Palmatier was a really good goalie for us, but nobody thinks that because everybody was allowing three goals a game, and he probably wasn't a nice guy. Because apparently um, Toronto only likes their goalies if they're nice guys outside of I, hockey. I'd have we to dig into it a that. little bit. <laughs> well, Palmatier was a character. He was the popcorn kid. So um, I guess I guess what we can say here is that it's just that Toronto has Toronto has never had the best goalie in the league for quite some time, and we've kind of accepted that. I said we know that we're not going to like. It's just for some reason our team like we're gonna. I think it's we've gotten to that point where like we 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 believe we'll keep an Austin Matthews, but we're. It's very rare that we are anybody like on the street would believe we'd keep a guy like um, like if we ever got Vasilevsky on our team, even for a one year contract, I don't think people would ever believe that he would stay. But, you know, I don't know. It just it's, it just seems weird to have the the best goaltender in the league on Toronto. Well, yeah, it just and, and and we've talked to I've or like I've mentioned this briefly in episodes before. Toronto's always been your hardworking, like, blue-collar lunchbox team, however you want to put it. Like, the last time they had a true superstar, like, top five in the league best player, 
was like Dave Keon, Frank Mahovlich in the 60s. Yeah. Like, no offense to Sittler, no offense to Selming. They were incredible players, but in their era in the league, they were not top five. I love Sundin. I love Gil. Okay. Gilmore had those couple years that he was right there. So, okay, I'm a little bit off there, but for the most part, we've just been your lunchbox, hardworking team working better as a unit than individually. And then now we've got, like, Matthews is a generational player. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, yeah. He is proving it. And Marner's right there with him. Mm-hmm. And all the fans like that are listening to this, like that are like you and me, that like, and it really just, I don't know, I was driving home the other day and it was really just sitting in like, you know, in, in my gut, the idea, like just fathoming the idea that we, we have a core four slash five slash six. You know what I mean? We have some of the best players, if not the best player in the league. Like we are so spoiled. Because it's never been like this. I said, when I was making that comment about A-, minus, but not A+, plus, we've got some A-fucking-pluses now. Like, we literally do. And yeah, we haven't, you know, reached the th- past the threshold, breaking, you know, the barrier, gotten to the promised land of actually being in the Stanley Cup Finals. But we have the best fucking players in the, in the league on our team, and they're staying. They've been here for multiple years now. So, like, <laughs> it's just... It's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things that, like, again, you really we have been taking that for granted and it's because it sucks that we haven't got past the first round since, you know, yesterday and then we got booted. <laughs> but still, it's like, this is the best moment where we are right now, especially after these two games. Again, like we're just talking crazy, but still with the players that we have right now, this is the best moment to be a Leafs fan. All right. And maybe they go on a crazy slump and they got to figure it out again. But I like these guys. I'm happy. I'm really happy with this. <laughs> Me too. It's funny that it's funny that you bring that up a, a point there. This is what I want to finish on. Now that it's been uh, four and a half, five months since the Leafs lost in the second round, does getting out of the first round mean anything? Like, does does that does it feel any different starting the season not having been knocked out in the first round again? Like, does that give us anything as a fan? Like, do you feel any different? Like, because everyone was saying, you know you can make it out of the, the first round, but like you can get knocked out of the second. Like what's the point? What's the difference? You didn't make it all the way. But as a fan. them to feel different. All right. Because if they feel different, then I will feel different come, <laughs> come April and May and, you know, June. Right. Like that's what this all this is all about. I'm sure you can all agree that because we always talk about how good these guys are and how mentally these guys are and what they're thinking about, how hard they try, how hard they don't try. It's really got to be about them, right? Like, if we see them change that mindset that, like, there's no more, like, getting sad and fucking crying and just go out and, you know, don't worry about the first round, don't worry about the second round, go for gold, go and win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if we see that, because, you, you know, we, we all feel it. We all see the, the, the emotion in their face. If we see them just not caring and just going out there and crushing it, that's going to be, like, oof. Yeah, personally, we- I feel less pessimistic as the season starts. Like, I, I have higher hopes i don't feel like you know i'm just waiting for the playoffs again i feel like progress has been made i know it's not the most progress but i don't know i feel like we're taking a step instead of just running the same thing back and expecting a new result to happen it it does feel better for me but what do you guys think well maybe that's something that's not being talked about enough like we're talking about how there's a different vibe this year like things look different matthews looks different Maybe that has a big factor to do with it. There's not that added expectation or pressure of, oh, 
wait until the next like wait until april because none of this matters it's hey they've shown they can do it let's just let's focus what we can actually focus one game at a time not that thing in the back of our head saying well then none of this matters yeah and especially game one period one till now right like that first period was pretty brutal and just the fact that this new team can come together and score 12 goals over two two games and matthews comes off two back-to-back like hat tricks right like it's it's promising like it makes you feel good and how these new additions are playing effect like the fact that we have john klingberg and he's leading the team with time on ice and he's immediately placed on pp1 and producing like i think a lot of people were afraid it's going to be a tyson berry situation but coming into this year i wasn't like i had way higher hopes for him and like even tonight like former team with the wild and even with the ducks like i don't think he was utilized as as well as he could have been. Like this well, is the a guy. Are horrible. They're not exactly like it, it's it's like Jacob Chickard sitting on the fucking Arizona Coyotes. Like you can have an offensive defenseman, but if the team is horrible, that's like the most useless position to have because if your forwards aren't doing anything, like who's he going to help? Like it but, just it renders him kind of useless. The Wild brought him in at the deadline, and then he was consistently on the third pairing, and he only I played totally seventeen. Forgot. That Klingberg went, what was it, to Dallas and then Minnesota? No, it was Ducks to Wild. Like that same year, he was traded at the deadline because he got that big money right. payday contract one year with uh, the Ducks and then he got traded at the deadline and he only played 17 games, nine points, but still, like he was averaging 1955 a game. Throughout his career, he's sitting at the 24 minute mark. Yeah, I've just I I've never actually gone back and looked at Klingberg's years with Dallas. Like I totally forgot the guy's there for a long time. This is that a guy just, like 40, who 50 was. Points. Remember, he was bitter in that off season because Heiskanen got paid that mm-hmm. couple summers ago. All the D got those big paydays, and John Klingberg wasn't one of them. And he was a guy who needed a contract. And then the Ducks, you know. Uh, later on offered him the contract and he was eh, like and Heiskanen took his spot so having this opportunity with the Leafs who's clearly on cup cup contenders right like this guy wants to win and he the way he plays and bringing in other factors and pieces like um and getting rid of like Justin Hall for example but Jake McCabe right like a purely defensive guy and um then you have Gregor like there's approximately like 10 new figures on this team. So. Hey, trivia question. The year that the Dallas Stars picked um, in the fifth round, John Klingberg, who did they get with their first pick? Uh, what, when Jack he was drafted? Oh. The Dallas uh, Stars in the first round of 2010 selected Jack Campbell and in the fifth round selected John Klingberg. I couldn't think of how long ago Klingberg was drafted. I, I just didn't keep realize it's been that uh, long. They got who was it? They got in the same draft: Ottinger, Heiskanen, and was it Robertson? All in the same draft? Are you serious? <laughs> That's fucking crazy. They got three of their big time players all in the same draft. The 2010 draft is so interesting to go back to. Like of all of them, it was the uh, Hall, Sagan, and Goodbranson. Because, like, you can go through every single round and there's guys that are still playing. Like, 
it seemed like it was the right group of guys, but nobody knew what order to pick them in. <laughs> like I've never <laughs> seen one where you can go all the way through and like every single round, it's like, yeah, most of these guys are still playing. Like yeah. round three, you got Radko Gudis and um, oh, maybe I picked a bad round to start saying this. Brian Rust. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a couple guys like McKeg. Oh man, Yanni Hockenpah was in the fourth round, drafted by St. Louis. Didn't know that. Zach Hyman drafted by Florida in the fifth round that year, just ahead of John Klingberg. You know, there's uh, yeah, it was a good draft, but fucking weird. Jasper like, Faust. You guys gotta think that only a few games from now, last year. <laughs> We were talking about sending Mitch Marner out to Abu Dhabi. All right. <laughs> so, like, we're, we're already two games into this season, and it's like, you know, elation. Like, we're, we're feeling good. We're on a high. And guess what? When the team wins, it doesn't matter what Marner's doing, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what anybody's doing. Who cares? We're, especially when we're winning in such crazy, fantastical ways. At the end of the day, like, we could argue till the cows come home how kind of crappy. It was to go to a shootout against Montreal, but as we, you know, and many people mentioned over and over again, a win's a win, right? doesn't matter how you win. And then you get a game like this where it's just, like I said, when you're, now we're seeing Matthews with the hat trick and you can compare it to the last game. All you think about now, the last game is that damn hat trick. <laughs> and then it makes everything better, even, you know? So. And that shootout shot man like this is not a year one to five marner shot like this is a matured mitch marner type shootout shot where you never expect him to kind of dangle and then go top shelf and in like it usually straight on the the crest or right off the pad and you see mitch marner go up to take the shootout shot and you're just like shit like why is he doing it sort of thing but this team has matured like matured more than ever like i i don't even know how to put it into words the ducks are down to nothing sorry guys i'm in i'm in 2010 draft mode there's so, okay. many, there's so <laughs> many people here that are still playing it's blowing I, my mind i'm in the where you know where in the world is justin hall mode because like we're talking about detroit Brody. I know, but I'm just saying, like, we're talking about Brody, and I bet that guy, like, chews on his fingernails, like, now he's like, oh, man, really wish they didn't get rid of Hall. <laughs> Freddie Anderson was taken in the seventh round of the 2010 draft, just saying. We talk about our, we talk about our, like, strong decor and our, you know, our great system, but it's like, that, the one thing it does do is always leaves one scapegoat, no matter who it is. If it's not Justin Hall, it's, you know. It's, oh, uh, I wanted to bring this up, actually, earlier. Who do you think it's going to be this year? My guess is Timothy Lilligren. No, it's Brody. It's already Brody. They've already it's already set in stone now. Uh, Lilligren's had some fucking abysmal giveaways in preseason and in the Montreal game. Like, I feel like just if he keeps doing something like that, it's going to be every time he does it, people are going to jump on it, and anytime he does something good, no one's going to care because that's what happens, right? Is like somebody becomes the whipping boy for all the defensive problems, and you know, but, we'll see. Okay, there's a difference between. A brutal giveaway here, a brutal giveaway there, and lying on the ice in the crease, preventing your goalie from making a fucking save. Catching the puck and, and just putting it down to your stick. <laughs> like Or bonking someone on the head with your stick. Or like when he spiked it out of the air for the hand pass. For that. 
Yeah, he, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah, and again, Brody losing his dad this year during training camp and preseason, like that has to be a um, huge impact. But at the same time, you look at the money aspect and how he has a $5 million contract and his age. So people are kind of trying to making space for others such as Nylander to fit in. And, you know, you kind of get the the one man out. And if he keeps whiffing or falling on his butt or something, then you just exclude him. But in all, I do love TJ Brody. I just think the price tag is a little too much and we will have to do something after this season anyways. So I do like he is a good candidate to to move or put on the chopping block for those purposes only. I hate even saying the price tag's too much because it's not for the the player he is. It's just there's no room for that type of contract. Like that's the thing that we got to, I'm not trying to correct your wording. I'm just saying like, we have to be careful about, you know, saying somebody's not worth that money. Cause like, yeah. that's the, the problem. The salary cap has imposed on all these guys. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's, it, we, we seem to think that players in that middle range, like anywhere from two and a half to $7 million, it, it's really easy to say the player is not worth that, but like it's, sh- there should be room on the team for somebody to be, not the best and not the worst. And it feels yeah. like that that whole era has just been wiped out. Is anybody that's a, a second or third line guy, you've got to either be taking a discount and performing above your contract or you're being paid $12 million to play like a $12 million player. You know, you can't pay $6 million for 60 points anymore. Or it's just, it, it doesn't work. How about Owen Power? Uh, 70-something NHL games in his career. And what did he Fuck, get? Man. Eight? Eight something, eight mil times him and, seven. Him and Sanderson, I don't understand why for their own career. Like, of course, it's hard to turn down like 50 plus million dollars when it's offered to you, but they're going to run into the thing with like Stamkos did where you're going to be overaged and look back and go, I didn't make as much as I probably could have in my career. And other guys have eclipsed me because I took a discount. You know, maybe they don't think it's a discount right now, but if either of them outperform these deals, they're going to be on the best deals in the league like there's not many guys that are signed for under nine million dollars long term that are that young like that's crazy Owen power was a first overall pick yeah he hasn't even played a full nhl season it's it's just insane i know like he's not Connor bedard but could you imagine like you know the blackhawks talking him into to signing for eight years at seven point whatever like it's it's really short-sighted on the player's side. But again, if you're 19 or 20 and someone's offering you $57 million or whatever the hell it is, it's really hard to say no to that and say, well, I could get 70 if I play my cards right. You mean like Jack Hughes being at $8 million till 29.30? I was going to say the, the Devils are the only ones that have really been able to take a page out of Tampa's book and say, okay, everyone take this now or else we're fucked. And they, it's it's a risk, right? Like you don't know if it's going to pay off. But I think it worked for Tampa, and it's working for New, uh, New Jersey. Obviously, this team is extremely talented and fast. But yeah. Anyway, we're we're like so over time. Does anyone want to finish with something so we can get the hell out of here? I just want to use the negotiations one day. Everybody take this now, or we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> you like my uh, my GM mind there? Just take it, or we're not going to be able to win. <laughs> 
Um, I saw a video um, of the Detroit game tonight where Lucas Raymond sent Michael Isamont backflipping into the Detroit bench, knives up. Like, this looks super dangerous with his skates just full straight up in the air and both players just ducked. And he stayed like that, like literally handstanding in the Detroit bench. And I'm like, oh boy, of course, the one night I sit you and you're on the top line in PP1 finally, but... Yeah, look up that video. It's uh, something you don't see every day. Hey, Pierre Engvall got an assist tonight. Speaking of guys with one point in one game. Yay! Yay hey. So how many goals do the Islanders get? Um, it's, uh, It was 3-2. So they've hit their goal quota for the next month. Um... <laughs> yeah, Brock Nelson, Casey Sezikas, and Kyle Palmieri. Again, I cannot believe that Josh Bailey went from like being talked about alongside like Nelson and Palmieri and these guys to just like getting cut from the Sens. Wild. Yeah. Crazy. Yep. And same Middle with Patrick Kane. Yeah. Patrick Kane not Can't... having a contract yet. He's recovering from double hip surgery. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's true. I see a bunch of rumors going around. Maybe the Dallas Stars are interested in him. Um, Re- realistically, he's probably not going to be ready till the new year. Okay. Okay. Who's a free agent? Yeah, it's it's listing hey, like is Josh he, Bailey, Clefbaum, Jake Gardner. What going on with himself? He's got like long COVID or what's the deal there? Like, who's that dirty? Taves. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. He's, yeah. He's, He's not ruling it out, but he's pretty much retired. Uh, I didn't realize Jake Gardner doesn't have a team. I was actually yeah. going to mention that too. I was going to say, where in the world is Jake Gardner now? Carolina. Clefbaum, Cashin, and Pugliarvi all got cut. Wow. Yeah. Well, okay. Clefbaum is, that's not really a cut. Like he hasn't been healthy enough to play in two, three Oh, yeah, years. true. That's, they gotta take these guys. <laughs> well, they're still, though. Though. they're still Nick technically Ritchie. on the pay pay books, right? Ethan Bear. I'm surprised about that. Ethan Bear. Phil Castle doesn't have anything. Nope, not yet. Yaro Halak, Paul Statsny. Halak retired. What's Statsny still doing on this list? Wow. Nolan, Nolan Patrick. Yeah, Wayne Simmons, Brian Elliott. Nolan Patrick, number two overall pick. Aaron Dell. Wow. Leafs legend, Aaron Dell. There's a, there's a lot of Leaf, Leaf legends on here that don't have a team. Like, uh, man, Dezingle bounced around and ended up nowhere. Wow. But wow. Uh, I'm just looking at Scott Harrington, ex Leaf, Josh Levo, Michael Hutchinson. There's so many of them on here that are technically. That goes, to your, uh, that goes to your point, Darty. You know, you have to be able to play the game and also hold your own in the in the league now. And if you can't keep up, because this new talent uh, clearly is is great. It's not like a couple years ago where, like, in my opinion, anyways, like the Lafreniere draft year, oh. kind of like a little bit of a bust there. And I, COVID had to do, uh, I think, had a large factor with that, but. The league is getting way too good, and you have these familiar names that can't get contracts because of it. And I'm so glad that we have guys like Nyes and Minton who have the skill and size to be able to play with an elite team like the Leafs. Like the the future looks bright. Well, maybe a point to 
uh, for Roscoe is that uh, he was mentioning how many people are still um, playing from that 2010 draft year. Well, that's kind of like a, a weird year too, right? Because you got to think about the kind of kind of style of play that those kids grew up with, right? Like I remember hockey like you know around that time and there's some pretty mean mofos out there like even if you weren't good if you weren't good enough to be playing for the good teams you were bad enough to be playing for the brutal teams <laughs> so you got to think like those guys are get uh, kind of like hybrid guys already right they knew that they had you know you know had to have Crosby skill but at the same time like they were getting pummeled still and getting the shit kicked out of them you know when they were kids so it's like they have a little bit of that experience where it's like you get you know up into the 2014, 15, 16, 17, and things got a little bit softer. But again, you we're talking about we're in 2023 now, and we all have come to the realization that we still need a little bit of, unfortunately, violence in the game to you know maintain some sort of um, uh, you know traction out there, right? And so it's all coming back because otherwise, why the hell is Arbor? X gauge still playing, you know. Just, <laughs> well, it's, it's, right? it's a good point that like everybody that came into the league in 2010 was still playing against like Jerome Ginla and like Dion and, and, and like, like Fanuf and and even like the like Beener brought up Forsberg and fucking like Zetterberg. All these guys were playing like into the mid to like late 2000s. So a lot of guys that came up still had to go against these guys and and kind of be thrust into it an older style of the game and then adjust as, as everything changed. So that's a good point. I never thought of that. Look at Sid, right? He came into the league with chopping like, fingers. <laughs> literally like he was a target concussion protocol his entire career because he was constantly crushed on the ice and still playing and still elite. Like um, I think he has three goals now. Uh, he scored two on the power play last time. And like this guy is just clearly a generational player again like you said the kid for a reason Sidney crosby yeah, but... he single-handedly changed how slashing gets called so <laughs> you got crosby too like i said like when i was like we're all roughly the same age but i just remember being a kid then and like you know like oh you're a bandwagon Sidney crosby fan right because anybody who likes Sidney crosby immediately as soon as he came out you're bandwagoning right yeah <laughs> people who yeah. still love Crosby from then because you're clearly the, the truest fans of all but back then you see the kid in the city Crosby jersey in 2006 you're like well, what a what a loser <laughs> but but back then it's like at the same time you got to think of all the things that were happening to Sidney Crosby yeah so like he was getting the, the tar beat out of him concussions like you see him kind of crying coming off like and like crying for good reason he was getting <laughs> getting the, the tar beat out of him but I think he you know I think he must have especially he played with uh Lemieux, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had to, he had to make a choice. Like he had to realize, you know, you either you either you know die Wayne Gretzky or live this long enough to become uh, Eric Lindros. And I think he had to make it. You know, he's like, you know what? I want to go out there and win. I don't want to just play hockey. <laughs> so, you know, he had to learn about that hybrid style of you know you can play one way or play the other, but if you want to win, you kind of got to have a little bit of both. And yeah. really, this entire basically two hour discussion has been that the leaps are getting to this point. So just put a bow on this and fucking end it because we got to get out of here. <laughs> yes. The page has flipped. The leaps look good. Honestly, it's going to get better. I'd rather, like I said, last episode, have some holes now and work through it and be better and better as the season goes on. And hopefully Sammy uh, pulls through and we get to see some wall action next week. 
Hell yeah. So um, thank you, Darty. I'm glad that you got to make it onto this one and everything is working great. We can put out a full episode with your lovely voice on it. No, it's yeah. Beater uh, and Steph, thanks for jumping on. Have a great night, everybody. We're uh, we're going to be back. When's the next game? Monday? Monday. Monday. Okay. So Chicago. I will be in the Bedard Show. The Bedard Show. New hotel, new episode. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Remember yeah. to give us a follow everywhere and like and subscribe and all that. Leave a review. It helps us out. And the video's yeah. up on Inside the Rink. Am I, am I forgetting anything? Yeah, we, we work for them, I think. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. It looks like you have two number ten jer- jerseys, Beaner. <laughs> What's is one of is, is one of those Eli Manning? <laughs> no, no, we have real athletes up here. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Manning. <Mike. laughs>